Sports Ready Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for being here. The Fifth Estate was an alternative publication in our region that defined a counter-narrative movement. Tomorrow, the Detroit Historical Museum is wrapping up a year-long exhibition about the alternative newspaper with a special evening program called I Spy, the Fifth Estate Under Surveillance. Fifth Estate founder Harvey Oshinsky and current staffer Peter Warby will read from and tell stories inspired by their own and the paper's infamous Red Squad files. <laughs> the hundreds of pages of surveillance and intelligence reports about the paper's alleged subversive activities and the ACLU of Michigan's Rana Elmir will talk about her group's efforts to protect local groups from FBI and police surveillance. The event begins at 7 at the Historical Museum, and it's free and open to the public. Uh, that that little intro I just read there That's makes this good. sound like a really dark event, <laughs> right? Surveillance, yeah. subversive. But, but these really are the kinds of terms that surrounded criticism of uh, the Fifth Estate, and, yeah. and, and uh, the, it really defines sort of uh, the existence that it's had. I mean, well, it it's one thing for you know readers to send letters to the editor to the paper complaining about what they're reading. <laughs> it's another thing for the Detroit police, from, the from state the police, and the FBI yeah, right. to create files on the staff members and its readers yeah. and its subscribers, and to infiltrate our organization. One of the things we're doing tomorrow night. Actually, the doors open at 6.30 so people can wa- look at the uh, Historical Museum exhibit on the Fifth Estate, and then we start the program at 7. But one of the things we're doing is we're going to identify, I don't think we'll do it by name, but we're certainly going to talk about uh, the informant, the police informant who right. was uh, part of the staff that we didn't know about at the time. And what was the purpose of this uh, surveillance? I mean, uh, was there a, a credible sort of sense of threat uh, by from what sure. the state was doing? Uh, apparently the government felt there was, and we certainly sounded like, you know, we were, uh, we, uh, we were pushing an agenda, and, and we were. But really nothing's changed since the 1920s um, when there was the whole um, – um, Red Scare in the 1920s. It all started sure. back then in the 1940s and 50s with McCarthyism and then in the 60s. But what really happened, because of the Fifth Estate, it's one thing to have a newsletter or to uh, go to a demonstration, but to have a newspaper with a circulation of 30,000 young people right. and others, that got a little scary. And I think they got very serious. And the Detroit Police Department uh, essentially created a staff of 50 to 55 people and $1,000 a month for informants wow. to find out what we were really doing all they had to do was read the paper. I don't know, I was what, the, say, I don't know what the issue was. I met most of, I met most of you guys. Yeah. I, I, it seems like they could have just called you up. Yeah. And, and Peter said, and I are going to read from our files tomorrow, which yeah. on one level is amusing. I won't bore you with the details. But it's not. I mean, it's it's frightening. As Rena will tell you. Yeah. Uh, Rena, talk about, uh, you know, not just the Fifth Estate and the kind of surveillance that they were subjected to, but there's a long history of this here in in southeast Michigan in particular. Of course, you can find examples around the country, but we had this very intense kind of uh, fear on the part of law enforcement about uh, alternative publications and, and, and groups. Absolutely. When you look at, um, we often say that um, if we don't learn from history, we're bound to repeat it. It's, it's become a cliche. But when it comes to surveillance, 
Um, we have never learned from that history. Uh, we continue to repeat the same um, failures of government and government abuse. And so right now, today, the same words that were used against Fifth Estate members, like subversive, dangerous uh, terrorists, um, are being used for um, Black Lives Matter protesters in D.C. last year. Uh, there was a march in which we discovered through a leaked intelligence report um, through The Intercept that um, DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, right, not the FBI, sure. um, was, um, was monitoring Black Lives Matter and not only monitoring them, but doing minute by minute tracking of their participation in this march. Yeah. And then you bring that here to, to, to Michigan and the way in which the Muslim community has been surveilled and targeted. Um, it's not without precedent. This is the same thing that's happened to the civil rights movement. This is the same thing that's happened to people of color. Throughout labor unions. Labor yeah. unions um, and, and, and throughout our history. Um, but um, unfortunately, both the government hasn't learned uh, from these failures, but also as a public, we haven't learned these lessons to hold our law enforcement agencies uh, and federal government accountable. Yeah. Uh, you think about just uh, the eight years of the Obama administration and the, the pretty serious uh, overreaches of surveillance, you know, collecting everybody's phone records, for instance. And, and what, what always puzzles me about it is people get a little irritated by those kind of things. They don't get particularly outraged anymore. I mean, I think there's a, a sort of acceptance that, well, uh, the government's going to do these things. There's not only an acceptance that the government is going to do these things, but also there's this notion, um, which we just have to just get out of our, our heads. There's this notion that if we don't have anything to hide, that the that there's right. there's no what reason to believe. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's no there's there's no reason to fight back. Um, but but an erosion of our civil liberties, even in a small scale, um, you know, it's going to be much harder to stop that as we move forward. No matter who you are, Coleman Young's file, he was very sure. disappointed that they destroyed his file. Yeah. He really <laughs> wanted to see it because it was pretty thick. Um, and actually, the, the police department wanted to destroy all the files and not release them. But they did release them in the 1990s. That's how we received ours. Yeah. Uh, talk about the founding of uh, the Fifth Estate. What was the the context of it, what were the sort of uh, inspiring events? Well, I graduated from Mumford High School in the summer of 65. Didn't want to go. My mother wanted me to go with her to Los Angeles. Hated every minute of it except the time I spent in Los Angeles on Sunset Strip in a coffee house called the Fifth Estate. <laughs> and I worked on the L.A. Free Press, an underground newspaper, and I loved it. But the more I loved it, the more I missed Detroit. So I came back and by November of uh, 65, started the uh, Fifth Estate, which was an eight-page tabloid. I knew nothing. I didn't know the tabloids had to be laid out in increments of four. <laughs> so I, I gave the printer six pages for an eight-page newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> so if anybody's work. got the first issue, those two pages were not it intentional. Blank. <laughs> they were blank. But anyway, there was a need. You know, there was uh, Sinclair and the freaks and the hippies and the peace folks and the musicians. They were all being arrested by the same people and harassed and infiltrated, by the way. Mm. But they weren't talking to each other. So I thought the Fifth Estate would be a good place to start to bring this community together. And ironically, it's the ACLU that was among the first supporters. Emil Macy was the executive director at the time. And I, he offered to give us his press releases because no one else, everyone else shredded the ACLU's <laughs> press releases. The Free Press <laughs> News could care less. Well, and and uh, we've got about a minute left, but uh, the 67 
uh, uprising, rebellion, riot, whatever you want to call it, uh, was was sort of a, an important moment for the Fifth. It State. was. That was our one of our earliest examples of investigative reporting. We were among the first of the media, except maybe the Michigan Chronicle, to talk about who did the killing yeah. and why and what was really going on in the streets, not just uh, uh, inside the burnt out or the looted stores, but on the streets talking to people about what was going on and the history that led to a people who have no context of what the, uh, it was like yeah. to be in the black community at that time. Right. And why that this just, came out of nowhere. People just got angry. Exactly. Well, but the Fifth Estate of course, tried to fill in those gaps. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Harvey Ofshinsky, Fifth Estate founder and writer, producer, story consultant, <laughs> Franel Mir, Deputy Director, ACLU of Michigan. Thanks very much for being here and good luck with the event. Thanks. Tomorrow. Looking forward to seeing folks at seven at the Historical Museum. Absolutely. All right. That's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. You will too. This is 1019 WDET Detroit, Wayne State's public radio station.